Anyway, so we're jumping back into our study of Acts. And as we do that, I just want us to, to always remember, we, we've got to stay in the context, and we, we need to think about how things have happened. This study has, has, has predominantly demonstrated the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, uh, it, it's the power that Jesus promises. I'm, I'm giving you this mission. You're, you're going to go and do this work. And you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to get it done until the Spirit comes on you and gives you the power to do it. In Acts chapter 2, kind of where we're at right now, is that the Spirit comes and empowers these people for this mission and draws a lot of attention to these men and women that are, that are gathered together, unified in prayer, waiting for, for, for Christ's promise of, of the coming Spirit to be fulfilled. They're waiting for this, and, and all of a sudden it happens, and they are immersed in His presence and in His power, and this supernatural event takes place. And something that's probably beyond many of us. Um, I don't know many people that have experienced fire appearing before them and, and just kind of covering them and resting on them as the Spirit came down on them. It, it was a very special and, and uh, powerful event. Uh, and as that happened, they were empowered to do something, and they began to speak and share in languages that they never had learned and didn't know. Uh, and so that's kind of where we left off. Last week we looked at this baptism and filling of the Spirit. And just to reiterate, the, the, the baptism being that one-time event that occurs that, brings, that the Spirit brings people into the body with, and then the filling or the empowering, the influencing of us is what results in these supernatural eternal works. So I'm filled in the Holy Spirit and I'm able to do things that, that, that result in some eternal outcome. People are saved by me preaching because the Holy Spirit did it, not because I'm a catchy dude and, and i got things figured out. If you know me, you know that's not true anyway. But the reality is, is that it's, it's the Spirit that does that work, and it's Him and His power that does those eternal things and uses us. And so that's where we've been. And, and as, we, as we step into the passage today, the question resounds, why? What does it mean? You know, this book by many theologians, is, is referred to as not as Acts of the Apostles, although that's the name most of us would know it by, but as Acts of the Holy Spirit. And it, it's obvious, even in these first two chapters, even in these first two chapters, what a huge role the Holy Spirit plays. What, what a big part He played in the foundation of the church. In this ongoing work, I mean, it, it's a new work, it's a new form of the work, but it's an ongoing work that God's been doing since the since the fall of man, since really the beginning, he created with a plan to redeem and restore. He always knew it was going to happen. He always had a plan for it. He had decided before he ever said, let there be light, he had decided this is what he was going to do. And so now as, he's, as, as this new work is happening, we see what a prevalent role the Holy Spirit plays. And let me just give you a hint. That's the way the rest of the book of Acts, that's the way it unfolds. It's the power of God in His Spirit empowering people for the mission that Jesus called them to. At the beginning of Acts, He says, Jesus tells them, hey, um, you're, when, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, my power is going to come on you, and you're going to be my witnesses. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to pay attention to. This is the work I have for you. And it's all because they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. But what does that mean? 
What, what do we do with that today? And before I get into telling you what I think Peter says and how he defines what it means, I want you to hear what it doesn't mean. Because what happens in our churches today is that as we look at things like this, we look and we say, well, that means that the Holy Spirit has come, and because now He's come, He's supposed to be our focus. And some churches go off the, the, to, to one end of the spectrum, and they just go crazy about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was never meant to be our sole object of worship. Now, hear me. I'm not saying that in His God, Godhood, in, his, in, in the Holy Spirit being God, that we are not to, to honor and adore Him. He is as worthy to be worshipped as any other member of the Godhead. But He is not an end in Himself. The Spirit didn't come to bring glory to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't come to say, everyone look at me. You see, our longing for the Spirit, which I think it's wrong, I, I think it's right for us to long for the Spirit. I think it's right for us to, be want, to, to want to be filled with His presence and His power to know that He's in us, to sense Him in a physical way. I think that is so right. I think, it's, I think it's right for us to long to be used of Him, to, to be able to, to step out and do things that are so crazy and bold that, that it just is beyond us. I think it's right to want to feel Him in the sense that you, you get goosebumps up your spine and, and, and you tremble because you recognize the presence of God. I think it's right to long for those things. But I think it's wrong for us to think that the Spirit is doing that just so we pay attention to the Spirit. I, I think it's wrong that in our longings for, for the Spirit that we begin to lose sight of Christ and what God has done. And in many ways, there's, there's churches today that, that move to this point, that take this out of context and, 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 and focus so intently upon what happens with the Spirit that they lose sight what the Spirit came to do. It doesn't mean that as we long for Him that we replace our longing for Christ with the simple presence of the Spirit. So what does it mean? What does it mean when you see Him move and you see His power revealed? I mean, imagine, imagine how things would be going. How, how, how would you react? What would your, what would your reaction be if you if you heard this sound like a rushing wind that was so loud it made you wonder what was going on, and you ran to it, and you show up there, and there's these people, maybe 120 of them gathered together, and they're speaking to you in a language that they shouldn't be able to speak to you in. How would you react? Well, let's just pick up the passage and, and move into it and see what happens as this occurred. Acts chapter 2, <clears throat> here they are, the, the apostles, the, the followers of Christ are gathered, suddenly the Spirit comes on them, baptizes them, immerses them in His power and presence, and then influences them to do this mighty supernatural work. And people are gathered together, the, people are, the, the city is full Pentecost is happening, and it's the Jewish celebration of the first fruits, and it's one of the celebrations or festivals that 
that, that all Jews or all Jewish men were expected to come into Jerusalem for. And so they would, they would travel from far and wide and they'd come into Jerusalem. The city was full. And there's thousands of people that hear this rushing wind and they see this work and they, they come up on them and they see them speaking in languages that they obviously shouldn't have known. In fact, it was like this. They show up and it's like this. Man, these guys are from Galilee. What are these dumb hicks doing speaking like that? That's essentially what they said. Now, you know, that's Seth version, uh, the, the English Seth version. <clears throat> but that's the reality. I mean, that's really what they meant. These guys are uneducated. They, they, they wouldn't have gone to school for this. They're farmers. They're hicks, rednecks. They probably talk like this and chewed on weeds. You know, and that's, that's, what they, that's what people thought of them. And this is what happens. You pick it up in verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed. Amazed and perplexed. I can just see myself standing there. Man, I don't know what's happened. I'm so amazed and perplexed. <laughs> I got, what's going on? It's so amazing and perplexing. You know, I could see that happening. I, 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 maybe I wouldn't have used those words because really I don't talk like that. But, but you know, I could see it. A supernatural thing. What in the world are they doing? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? Something's happening. Something big, beyond my understanding, beyond my explanation, what does this mean? Well, immediately, people try to make excuses. And they say others were mocking and saying they are filled with new wine. Hey, I told you what happens when you drink before noon. I told you about this. See, you got drunk before noon and now you're speaking crazy. Come on, Martha, let's get the kids before it rubs off. We're getting out of here. That's, that's stupid. You know, and <laughs> here's what came to mind as I thought about this. You guys know Antoine Dotson? Do you recognize that name? Have you heard Hide Your Kids, Hide Your Wife? Yes. That's Antoine Dotson. <laughs> and as I thought about this, I thought in response to they're drunk. Come on, drunkness doesn't educate you. It makes you do stupid things. I know, I've been there. It's happened once or twice. I can see standing there, hey, they're drunk, and me saying, you are so dumb. You're really dumb. Hide your kids, hide your wife. No, really, I mean, that's stupid, really, come on. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get drunk, and you're not going to be filled up with wine and, and all of a sudden be able to speak in these languages. There is something big going on. Something huge is happening. What does it mean? Somebody explain to me what this means. And Peter, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. Peter, this, this newly emboldened, newly inspired man of God stands up and preaches the very first 
gospel message since the ascension of Christ. You know, Jesus was there and He had taught the coming of the kingdom. He had told people, I'm here and I'm bringing the kingdom with me and and trust in me, follow me, believe in me. He told Him these things. He, He had preached this message. But since His ascension... In this new era, in this new ongoing work, Peter stands up and says this. He says, it's beautiful. It's not, it's not about being drunk, he says, but, but Peter standing with the eleven lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, just be known to you and give ear to my words. Listen up. It's important. Listen to me. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does it mean? What does it mean that God is active in the world? What does it mean that He sent His Spirit in power on these people? What does it mean that He says, I'm going to pour out My Spirit on My servants and they are going to prophesy. And they are going to see visions and have dreams. What does it mean? I'll tell you what I think it means. I tell you, I'll tell you what I think Peter was saying. He's saying the last days, the last days are here. You know when this happened? Almost 2,000 years ago. Peter, standing in front of a crowd of thousands of people, became an end-time charismatic. The last days were there. They had arrived. You see, we've got such a, we've got such a misconception of what the last days are. We've got, we got such a, a wrong view of this because of what goes on in our culture, in, in, in America. The last days, Peter is referring to this last and final work before Christ returns. You see, God had worked in the Old Covenant. And He'd given them a law to follow. And that law revealed their sinfulness and their fallenness and their shame. And if we try to live by it, it does the same to us. And He had sent His prophets with truth. And and they had revealed God to His people. And His people were to be a sign for everyone of how it is to live with God as your God. And they failed miserably. And then He sent His Son. He sent His Son because the law wasn't enough, the sacrifices weren't enough. None of that mattered. It wouldn't weigh, it wouldn't measure up, it wouldn't do what we had hoped it would do. God always knew it. He wasn't surprised. This is always part of the plan. And He sent His Son, Jesus. And Jesus lives on the earth and He walks and He teaches and He talks. 
And, and you know, people love him for a little bit. Oh, they were moved by him. They loved his power. They loved walking around and seeing him do these miracles. Can't see? Now you can. Can't walk? Stand up. Take your mat. Oh, you're hungry? Give me those fish and loaves of bread. I'll take care of you. See, they loved that. What they didn't love was that the truth he taught, the things he said to them, were difficult to hear. That's a hard teaching, they would say. And people would leave him in droves. I mean, people would, would run from him. I don't like what he's saying. And they would leave. But even in his popularity, he was hated. He was despised. And they hung him on a cross. But you see, it didn't surprise God. It was always part of the plan. It's what he was doing to pay the price for the sins of the world. To pay the price for, for the sin that you and I can't pay for. And then he says, you know what? After my son's ascended and after his, the, the, the price for sin has been paid, after the debt has been served, and he raises his son from the dead, he says, now you have the hope of life and here's the deal. He came as a suffering Savior. And He ascended as risen Lord. But He's coming back. And when He does, He'll be the righteous judge, Lord of lords and King of kings. And everyone, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that He is Lord. These are those last days, Peter says. The time is here. They live with a sense of urgency. These, these apostles, these, these men teaching, standing there empowered and inspired by the Spirit, they lived with a sense of urgency that Jesus could come back at any moment. I may not get my next sentence out. He may come back and take us home. We're not promised any moment but the one we're in. I want you to sense the urgency. I want you to know what Peter told these guys that day. The last days are now. And they've been now. They've been here since Christ ascended. And he said, I'm going to come back. I'm going to get you. You don't believe me. Maybe, maybe you're not seeing it. Maybe, maybe we're so wrapped up with culture today and, and the views today that, that we don't see it. But, but let me just demonstrate this with Scripture. 1 Peter 4, 7-11 through 11. To the early church, to a church that was suffering and hurting, he says this, The end of all things is at hand. At any moment, it could happen. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, because of this truth, because this is true, be self-controlled. Sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Invite one another into your homes. Spend time together 
Be kind to strangers. That's really what this is pointing to. People that you don't know, invite them in. Spend time without grumbling. That's a tough one. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You get this? Recognizing and living with a sense of urgency. Recognizing that every second counts. Not for my 401k, not for my, my retirement plan, not for, not, not for the things that I'm trying to fill my house with, or the American dream that I'm chasing after, or those things that seem to please me and fill me up and make me feel like I'm successful. Every moment counts for the kingdom of God. It is near. And it could happen at any moment. And we have an opportunity today, in this moment, to serve one another and be a demonstration, a physical, a tangible demonstration of God's grace. I mean, consider what He's done for you. Consider what it means to be able to stand in His presence. Consider what it means to know that you have the hope of life. He's bestowed on you a gift you could never earn. That's His grace. And you and I get to be a part of that. You and I, as we serve with our gifts and our abilities, the way that He's empowered us, we get to be a part of that. And there's a sense of urgency to do it. To, to quit chasing the dream and live for Christ. To, to forget that tomorrow matters in the sense that today is the day I've been given. This moment is the moment I've been given. I need to make it count for Christ. I need to serve and be a demonstration of His grace. Because at any second, it could end. 1 John 2.18 Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many, many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. These men are writing just, just years, just a few short years after Christ's ascension. They're not waiting 2,000 years and saying, okay, I'm going to check out my newspaper here. Oh, there's an earthquake. Tsunami. Christ is coming. They're, they're, not, they're not sitting on the sidelines saying, oh man, I've got these biblical prophecies all figured out and I've got this code and if I can just get this code to, to say what I wanted to say, I don't, let's see, let's add these numbers up. Obama is the Antichrist. The Pope, and if you feel that way, I'm sorry. The Pope, he's, he's the one. He's the one. John said, hey, they've been coming. Are we surprised? People standing against Christ, teaching against Christ, trying to draw attention away from Christ, are we surprised? No, we shouldn't be. The last hour, it is the last hour. 1 Corinthians 7, 29-31, Paul, teaching about marriage, 
teaching about the sanctity of marriage and, 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 and standing in marriage. He takes time and he says this in verse 29, this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. The end could come at any time. It could happen any second. From now on, let those who have wives lived as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as, they, as, as, as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. Husbands, don't go home and ignore your wives. That's not what he means. But recognize that as you deal with your wife, it's more important to fill her and lead her in Christ than it is to buy her a bunch of stuff to make her feel like you're doing her some good service. In fact, you're cheating her if you don't lead her in the Lord. That's your first responsibility. Live as if that's your first responsibility. And, and instead of running out and, and dealing with the world, recognize it's passing away. The 55-inch screen TV that I got sitting in my house is not going to heaven with me. Sometimes I wonder why. Because there's a part of me that really wants it. I recognize that fallenness. I recognize that, that I struggle with this. And you know what? You should recognize that you struggle with it too. But that's not what we're called to. That's not what this is about. That's not why Peter stood in the midst of these people and said, these people aren't drunk. But it's like the prophet said, in the last days, in the last days, this is the kind of thing that's going to happen. You see, what's going to happen is people are going to prophesy. They're going to understand, this, this is what prophecy is about, they're going to understand truth and they're going to speak it out. They're going to hear it from God. They're going to understand it. They're going to have a word from Him and they're going to be able to speak it. I pray for that every week. I pray that my words would not be my own, but that they would be the very Word of God spoken to you and impacting your heart. I pray for that every week. They're going to dream dreams. And, and, and you know what dreams would do for them? They'll help them see truth. They're going to have visions. They're going to understand things. And you know what this is all about? It's all about God's revelation. The Spirit come, and He is going to reveal God. He is going to reveal truth. You know what it doesn't say? What it doesn't promise is that every moment we're alive, we're going to have these super charismatic experiences. But that the Spirit is going to come and teach truth and reveal truth. Sure, He's going to empower us for His work. Absolutely, we've seen that demonstrated. But first and foremost, He's going to come and He's going to give revelation. And our blind eyes will be made to see. And our deaf ears will be opened so we can hear. We'll be able to see and understand the truth. <laughs> and He's going to proclaim Christ. In that last verse, verse 21, it says, And it shall come to pass 
that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Consider this, this this world where things are happening and things are unsettled and there's mighty works of God present in the heavens and and there's mighty works of God that things that are happening that only He could control that bring unrest and maybe cause a little fear. Like a huge hurricane that would wipe out a town that so many people look at and say that's condemnation. Maybe that's God saying your way doesn't work. What you hope in is going to fail you. A tsunami that washes away a city. So many people say, look at the sinfulness there. Maybe that's God saying you need something more powerful than yourselves to count on. Maybe that's God saying you're not enough. In all of your wisdom and in all of your might, you can't protect yourself. You need a Savior. Maybe these mighty works and these horrendous accidents or incidents or or catastrophes, maybe these mighty things happening are nothing less than God calling for us to to get our attention. You and I and this world need help. Our ways will not work. They will leave us empty. They will leave us wanting. Apart from Christ, there is no hope. But here's the promise. As all of these things are occurring, in these last days, it's not like it's going to happen right there. It's going to be a continual and ongoing thing until the day of the Lord comes. Here's the promise. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can't do it yourself. But by His power and His might, it can be done. See, the Holy Spirit didn't come to bring attention to Himself. The Holy Spirit didn't come to be an end of our worship and an object of our worship, first and foremost. And you see, the Holy Spirit came as a helper. A paraclete is the word. In John 14, 26, it says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, this is Jesus saying this, speaking about His Father, sending the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You see, the job of the Holy Spirit isn't first and foremost to be worshipped. The job of the Holy Spirit is to proclaim Christ. I don't want you to quit praying to the Holy Spirit and asking Him to fill you with His presence, but I want you to recognize that it's not simply an end in itself. It should lead you to recognizing and hearing from Christ and understanding who Jesus is. And if you come to these experiences that you say are from the Holy Spirit and not once do you understand Christ or know that Christ has saved you or recognize what Jesus did for you or what He taught in His Word and you're not seeing revelation that leads you to further adoration of Christ, I would challenge you that you are not receiving the Holy Spirit because that's what the Word says He will do. That's His job. I would encourage you to long for the Spirit 
to be closer to Christ so that you can proclaim Christ. See, what does this mean to you and me? What does it mean that this this Spirit came and rested on these guys at Pentecost and He was able to preach this message that said the last days are here and it is going to reveal that you need Christ and when you call on Him you'll be saved. What does it mean to you and me? What does it matter to you and me? Well, let me just finish with a couple of questions for you to consider. Do you have a sense of urgency that at any moment He can come back? But that at any time that you're here, He's given you a job to do. Do you have that sense of urgency? We're living in the last days. You've got to get rid of your own definition there. You've got to get rid of the definition that says, I'm, I'm, I'm looking in the newspaper and doing all my theology from the newspaper. Peter said they're here. And they've been here since Christ ascended. And that it could happen at any moment. Do you have a sense of urgency for that? Do you recognize that the things you can stuff in your house and the fat bank account those things don't matter quite as much as as America thinks that they do. See, I'm not saying get rid of those things. I'm not saying it's bad or sinful to have those things. If God blesses you, (laughs) that's great. And, And He teaches us in Proverbs over and over, He teaches us about saving and preparing. And I'm not saying quit saving. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't hope in those things. Don't plan on those things. Don't think that that's where your security lies. Because at any moment, it could all be gone. At any second, it could be over. And what those things will give you and lead you to, I can guarantee you, is not what you want. They will not fill you with hope. They will not give you joy. And instead of eternal life, they lead you to death. Do you understand and feel the sense of urgency? Do you live for yourself? See, when you consider what this book of Acts is all about, If you consider what this book of Acts is all about, it is about the work of God using the people of God by the power of God to complete the mission of God. He's the hero. He's the central focus. He's the power. He's the purpose. If your last day was the day, if you knew i got three hours. How differently would you live it? What's the first thing that pops in your mind? When I was a high schooler, I there's no telling what I would have thought. As an adult, what do you think? Oh, I'd run home and be with my family. It's not a bad thing. But what that reveals is that you long for your family. 
How different would this world be if believers who believed and understood this sense of urgency understood that in all we do, we have just moments left to proclaim our Christ, the God who came and put on flesh and saved us. Because at any moment, He could come back. How do you long to be influenced by the Spirit? Do you look for the emotional rush or the power to serve? Do you look for for revelation about when that last day is and and man, if I just knew when Jesus was coming, I could be prepared and I could be ready. Jesus said at the beginning of Acts, He says in in verse 7, for it's not for you to know the times and dates It's not what this is about for you, but for you. When the power comes on you, in verse 8, when the power comes on you, you will be my witnesses. That's what it is for us. That's what it's about for us. As we're empowered to be His witnesses, demonstrating His grace in its various forms. If we recognize that the moment is any second now. Any moment now. How much different would it be as we call on Christ? How much more would we depend on Him? At any moment. It could happen. And the promise remains the same. As we call on Him and trust in Him, you'll be saved. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that we would recognize and and feel this sense of urgency. That we would desire the filling and, and long for You to fill us and influence us through Your Spirit but that we would recognize that it's not an end in itself, but that it's meant to bring glory and honor and and, and blessing to You, that we are to be Your mouthpieces in this world, and that we are to proclaim Your name. I pray, God, that You would embolden us and inspire us as You inspired Peter that day that You would give us power to do supernatural and eternal works in Your name that bring people to the point of being confronted that their way doesn't work, that it will fail them and leave them empty, and that You would use us to call people into Your presence, that You would give us words to say, and that You would help us to design the actions of our life in such a way that it, that it brings You glory and honor. That as we, as we work and as we save and as we build a, a place in this world, that we would do it for Your glory and for Your honor alone. That we would recognize the sense of urgency. We long for You to come back. We long to be at home with You. We do desire that. Help us to recognize our mission as we've been left here until that time comes.
It's all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I speak about end times and last days and things like that, I want to leave you with one thought. The most important thing I think I ever say to people, and sometimes I say it kind of in a cliche way, and I don't really intend to, but I think that this is the best way we can approach these things. Jesus said, times and dates are not your concern. So to get caught up with that stuff, and to, to, it, it is to get sidetracked. We should live life as if Jesus could come back at any moment. Are you ready? Are you ready? Do you trust in Christ? Has He converted you? Has He made you whole? Are, are you a new creation in Him? Are you ready? But then, He may not return for generations to come. And our lives should leave a legacy. And our message should be that He could come back at any time. Are you ready? And for your children and for your friends and for those people that you say you love, they should hear and see in you this message. Because at any moment, Christ could come, come back and they too need to be ready. So live as if Christ could come back at any moment and leave a legacy so that our children and their children and their children and their children as long as Christ tarries Hear this message because it's the only one that really matters. Every time, every week we come to this place where we respond to Christ. I don't know what the Lord might be speaking to you, how He might be working in your heart. I would just encourage you to respond to Him however you feel led. We're going to sing some songs where you, know, you don't have to come down here and pray. If you need to pray, you just sit where you're at and you call on Jesus. If you want to pray with someone, Grab somebody's hand. You can come and get me. We'll go someplace and we'll pray. If you need to talk about something, if you need to confess something, if you've come to, pl to a place where you trust in Christ and you've never done that before, then let us know. Come and get me and let me know and we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll celebrate it with you. But in, however you need to respond, I would encourage you to do it as we sing. Mm -hmm.